ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Steven Fonsi, Mario Sacco, back with you here on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Hoping to get Paulie back in the mix tomorrow. Let's uh, let's go to the guest line. Bring on our first guest today. He is the host of the Football Outsiders News Show and a producer for the MLB Network. And uh, a Q's guy, Jackson Roberts, uh, joining us here on the program. Jackson, great to have you on. How are you today? I'm great. Great to hear from you, Steve. It's uh, It's been a while. Awesome to be back in uh, in Syracuse where my media roots lie. Yes, it's, it's great to have you on and, uh, and talk some football with you. And I, I want to start with this. A few weeks left in the NFL regular season. Um, I, I want to know who you're... Who your favorites are right now in the AFC and NFC, and and I guess let's start in the NFC with, you know, the Eagles have been the best team in the league all year. Now there's, uh, you know, the the issue with Jalen Hurts and his injury. They've got a big one against Dallas coming up this weekend. Um, I feel like every week I'm like, well, the Eagles are good, but are they really that good? What are you? What are your thoughts on the Eagles? Are they the best team in the NFL slash in the NFC? I think in the NFC, you have to still consider them kind of a consensus number one. I'm not sure, to be honest, how concerned to be about the Jalen Hurts injury. I think we'll kind of know more in the weeks to come. Obviously not going to be playing this week. Gardner Minshew, by the way, a perfectly capable backup who can step in and still potentially win that Cowboys game. But I, I'm sort of, I, at the beginning of the season, I picked the 49ers to win the NFC. They're on their third quarterback now, and yet I still kind of like the model of building with like a 2015 Broncos style dominant defense. And Kyle Shanahan, I think loves the challenge of trying to win with a guy like Brock Purdy. So it's, it's between the Eagles and 49ers for me. Eagles obviously have much more firepower on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't know. I think it's a toss up between those two as we speak. What about on the AFC uh, Buffalo right now in Kansas city, neck and neck for, for the top spot. Uh, in the AFC, do you see it coming down to those two, or, or do you see someone else? And if not the Bills, why? Well, I do like the Bills still a little bit. Um, it's it's a three-horse race to me because I think you have to throw Cincinnati in there after what they did last year and how strong they've been coming on as of late. The Bills, uh, according to our Football Outsiders metrics, are just the best team in football. Honestly, close to the best on both sides of the ball. Uh, the offense, particularly, is is kind of fourth or fifth in the league, and then defense, they're fifth, and, and all that added together, that adds up to being number one because every other team has kind of some strengths or some weaknesses. So uh, I just think in, the Von Miller injury definitely hurts. He's the type of guy that you sign to make an impact in the playoffs, and obviously he's not going to be there, but just – Combined all the talent they have on both sides of the ball, I think the Bills are ever so slightly the favorites in the AFC. All right, I, I want to ask you about who you think is going to win the MVP. And you know, Jalen Hurts has been the the leader in that category for for many weeks. And and now again, this injury, we really don't know what to make of it. Let, let's say he sits out. I don't know. Let's say he sits out the rest of the regular season. Is he still your MVP, or does it go to Patrick Mahomes? Well, I'll be honest with you. I was I was voting for Patrick Mahomes before the Jalen Hurts right. injury, and this is to take nothing away from what Jalen Hurts has done. But Patrick Mahomes, if you just look at kind of the narrative of what his season has been, he loses Tyreek Hill, who's been probably the either first or second best wide receiver in football this year. He's having the best year of his career since 2018 when he won his last MVP. Football Outsiders, we have a metric uh, DYAR, so yards above replacement 
adjusted for competition, adjusted for everything. He's lapping the entire league in that. He's got... 1,500 more yards added to what his team's total offensive production would be, and nobody else is above 1,100. So he's just doing things that no one else is. Uh, the rushing impact from Jalen Hurts is a little bit greater than Mahomes's, but from a passing standpoint, it's just not close. And I think it's almost like a media burnout. We get tired of Mahomes being the best player. So even though he's only won one MVP, he almost gets the LeBron treatment. We look for other guys to win the award, but I would have voted for him because I think he was having the most impact of anybody on their team. Jackson, we looked at the, the top of both leagues, but I want to look at two teams that, that are, are fighting for the playoffs in the Detroit Lions and, and Jacksonville. Do you realistically think these two teams can, can make the playoffs uh, coming down the stretch around here? I do. I think both of them can. Uh, starting with Detroit, wildly enough, the number two passer in the league behind Patrick Mahomes in terms of that DYAR metric that I mentioned is Jared Goff. Now, I don't think any of us believe that Goff is the second best quarterback in the league, but it goes to show you that when you build the right team around him, when you surround him with the right weapons and you put like a Panay Sewell and you strengthen the rest of that offensive line around him, he with a clean pocket can spin it just about as well as anybody. And their defense has really come to life as well. This is a defense that through seven games was one of the worst defense we had seen in recent memory and has really picked it up. You know, young guys uh, have kind of stepped up and played their roles. The secondary is much improved and they're just playing with momentum right now. And there's not a lot of teams kind of towards the bottom of that NFC wildcard picture that can, you know, say that right now. And they have a very manageable schedule the rest of the way as well. Uh, Carolina this week and then, got to deal with the Packers at some point as well, but I, I really think they can win the rest of their games and, and find a way to get in. Even at 9-8, and eight, that might clinch an NFC playoff spot. Jaguars, I mean, they pretty much control their own destiny right now as well. It's more than likely going to come down to that final game of the season against Tennessee. Jacksonville cooked Tennessee two weeks ago. Ryan Tannehill may not appear again this season. It sounds like he's not going to. So, I mean, a Trevor Lawrence versus Malik Willis matchup, I think I like Jacksonville on that one pretty big. Jackson, we, we touched on the Bills. I want to ask you about the two other uh, New York teams, and specifically the quarterback position, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson. Um, let's, you know, take them separately. Let, let's start with Daniel Jones. Is, is, he the, is he the quarterback there moving forward, um, you know, for, for the long term? Have you seen enough out of Daniel Jones that – um, you know, the Giants will say, you know what, he's, he's our guy? Gosh, it's so hard because I, I wouldn't have said so coming into the season, but at the same time, what did he have to work with over the first three seasons in the league? And he's shown good improvement this year, but maybe not enough that would give you long-term confidence in him. Um, I think QBR, ESPN stat, is one of the best metrics to evaluate Jones because it factors in the impact he has on the ground game as well as the pass game. And he's 12th right now out of all 32 quarterbacks. So there's definitely leaps and bounds above what he's done in years past. Uh, the question is not just, can you keep him around and continue to get improvement out of him under Brian Dable, but are you going to surround him with the type of weapons it takes to build, you know, a contender on the offensive side of the ball? He's been throwing to Darius Slayton and Richie James for most of the second half of the season. I don't know many quarterbacks who could be successful under those set of circumstances. So I think he's definitely shown enough to be the quarterback next year remains to be seen whether they'll use the franchise tag on him on Saquon Barkley or go a completely different direction, but I don't think they'll let him go for 2023. I'm just not a hundred percent sure whether they've decided that he's the guy beyond. All right. And, and how about, uh, you know, Zach Wilson and, and what, uh, it, the, 
the way that they have handled his situation all year, you know, he, he goes from injured to starting to bench. Now he's back in there. Um, and I, we maybe don't have enough to go on, or or do we? It, is Zach Wilson the guy moving forward, uh, you know, into the next several years for this Jets franchise? Yeah, that's a much tougher – like, the Jets are ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody expected the Jets uh, to be a top-10 defense this year, to draft as well as they did and, and have studs come on on both sides of the ball. Garrett Wilson, I think, is a star receiver in this league for many years to come. Uh, and, I, you know, Zach Wilson, we, we talked to another, another Q's guy, uh, James Catano, lifelong Jets fan, at the beginning of the season, who said he just felt like the Jets had to give Zach Wilson time, give him the Josh Allen treatment, uh, and in a couple of years he could still be that guy. I don't think they have the luxury of that time anymore. I think this roster is ready to contend now, and it's only going to get more expensive. Uh, guys are coming up for free agency, uh, big pieces that you stand to lose, Quinn Williams, DJ Reader. These guys aren't going to be cheap for long. Um, so I, I really am concerned about the thought of keeping Zach Wilson in that building. I think they're probably going to have to go out in the free agency market and see what kind of improvements they can make. Jackson, talking about free agency, I want to flip to the other side and talk about baseball uh, a minute. And it seems like oh, you know, three hundred million dollars uh, is, is like five bucks to me and you these days uh, when it comes to Steve Cohn. Um, what do you make of first off how the Correa thing went, down, and, and two, how are the Mets you know able to do this, and, and what are they going to be shelling out in a luxury tax uh, with this roster right now? Uh, a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's the short answer. Uh, the Mets currently stand to pay, I think, $150 million in the luxury tax, just to address the back half of that, uh, for the year 2023, which is, I believe, would be a top 10 payroll in MLB just by itself. So yeah, they're clearly lapping the, the Pirates payroll of being a Pirates fan. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's an unfortunate one, and I, I do feel for you. I, I do. The Pirates are making hype videos for uh, off-season signings, and, and I'm really excited about it. And they're also bringing in like 15 first basemen, so <laughs> looking forward to that. But yeah, I think what the Mets are doing is what they can be doing with Steve Cohen. That's like every team wants a guy who's just going to continue paying until he wins. Uh, and, and it's kind of been the unspoken rule that ownership doesn't you know, go beyond a certain level of what the league deems to be reasonable. Steve Cohen's just saying, look, I don't, I don't care about that. I want to win. I don't necessarily know how other teams are going to respond to it long-term, but I do think it's more healthy for baseball than all these teams who are just, you know, bottoming out every year and trying to shed payroll as much as they can. I'm coming to you from Oakland. The Oakland A's spent zero dollars in free agency last year. So I, I would much rather be in a position where we're concerned about the owner spending too much than nothing at all. And along those lines, uh, Jackson, I do have to ask you about your team. You're a Red Sox fan from what I understand. And, you know, you see the uh, Yankees, uh, you know, pony up and, and they got Judge coming back and officially naming him a captain and you know, the Red Sox uh, haven't done all that much. Just your, your thoughts on uh, on the, the way the division is shaping up in the AL East and, and your, your, you know, what your Red Sox have been up to here in the offseason. Oh, where do I begin? Uh, I know Jordan's around. Jordan's a uh, big Red Sox fan pain, as well. The reason pain, I came Jackson, on. Pain, <laughs> pain, is, pain is the operative word. I, I, I told him I wanted to come on specifically uh, to lament what's going on with the Red Sox right now. I I. Okay, on the face of things, I understand why you don't bring Xander Bogarts back at the price tag of $280 million. That's a crazy amount of money to pay a 30-year-old shortstop 
who has always been kind of questionable on the defensive side of the ball. But the reason that you made the Mookie Betts trade ostensibly was to set yourself up to pay your Xander Bogartses, your uh, Rafael Devers, and whatever other young guys came up through the system. That's just clearly not happening now. The Red Sox have gone from the highest payroll in MLB in 2019 to the 12th highest in 2023. That is a staggering amount of money to cut in the four years. And I don't even necessarily blame Heim Bloom all that much for it because that's the job he was given. They told him, come in, cut payroll, try to still win with limited payroll, and the moves that he's made on the margins haven't quite worked out. But I don't know where that leaves them. I, <laughs> they've said that Rafael Devers is going to free agency if he doesn't get an extension by the end of the offseason, which really means the end of January. I don't think that's getting done. So I think Rafael Devers is going to free agency. We've seen what teams like the Mets, like the Padres, are willing to pay a guy like that who's going to be a 27-year-old superstar hitting free agency. I know John Henry and this ownership group aren't ponying up that money right now. So it feels like... Not only is Bogart's gone, not only is Mookie gone two off-seasons ago, all that was supposed to justify spending on Rafael Devers, and now he's going to be gone too. So I have, I have no no hope right now for the Red Sox to actually you know, build a competent, likable team in the next two to three years. I, I would like to say that I, I feel bad for Red Sox fans, Jackson, but I, I, I don't. So um. I, I get it, and I get it. <laughs> and you know what? Yankee fans, I think, are, are a little... They're, they're batting a little bit above their weight this offseason as well. They, right. The Rodon signing is nice, but you know all you've really done besides that is is kind of pump yourselves up by bringing back the same team and have a press conference for Aaron Judge uh, showing off the new uh, figurative C on the jersey. So let's let's get back to a World Series, Yankee fans, and then we can really sort of have the Yankee Red Sox discussion again. You know what? That's, that's fair. That's fair as well. Uh, Jackson, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Great catching up with you, and uh, happy holidays to, to you and your family, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again down the road. I would love that. Thank you, boys, for having me on. Uh, Jordan, keep the faith. We'll, uh, we'll rise again someday. We'll get through this together. Thanks for coming on, Jackson. <laughs> appreciate it. All right, Jackson Roberts from the Football Outsiders News Show. Time out here. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Jim Beham coming up at the top of the hour. Back after this on ESPN Radio.